Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It was Palm Sunday, but because of a slight fever and a sore throat, five-year-old little Johnny had to stay home from church with his sitter. And when his family returned home, they were all carrying several palm branches. And Johnny asked them, what were those for? People held them over Jesus' head as he rode by on a donkey, his father told him. Wouldn't you know it, Johnny all frustrated and fumed. The one Sunday I don't go to church and Jesus shows up. Come on, anybody glad that Jesus is in the house today? Palm Sunday, 2023. Listen, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 21. Matthew 21, and I'm going to read the first Palm Sunday story out of Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Now, just so that you all know, all all 11 verses will not be on the screen. So if you have your Bible and you want to follow along, open up your Bible to Matthew 21, And I'm going to read it to us. And then I'm going to back up and I'm going to show us some insights and some things that we can do to open our hearts for Jesus in a big way on Palm Sunday. Matthew 21, 1 through 11. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem and they came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying. Now this verse is a prophetic scripture. From the book of Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, approximately 400 years before this is even actually taking place. This is the verse. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. Their clothes, not both donkeys. And a very great multitude spread clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Another gospel says that they were specifically palm tree branches. Verse 9. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out. This is what they were saying. 
Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Now let me just pause. It was the feast of the Passover. So the city of Jerusalem was crowded more than usual. A lot of people had been hearing about Jesus. It wasn't too long before this that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. There was a lot of commotion and a lot of talk going on about Jesus. And Jesus here, he is literally enacting prophetic scripture by riding into Jerusalem on this donkey. And the whole city was moved. This word moved is used many other times in the scripture to describe the earth when it shakes. There was a shaking going on in the city over Jesus. And they said, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but Palm Sunday is the Sunday before the Friday that Jesus was crucified. And it marks the beginning of what some people would call the Passion Week, or like we heard Miss Krista say, the Holy Week, when Jesus will be rejected, accused, and unlawfully arrested, and then found guilty of crimes that he didn't commit, and ultimately crucified for the sins of the world, then raised from the dead on the third day. Can somebody say amen? Now, I want to talk to us today for a few minutes about this. Preparing my heart for the King. Would you say it with me, church? Come on. Preparing my heart for the King. Now, this is really important because based on what we just read, even though the people were praising Jesus as King, they didn't have a heart to receive Him as the King that He came to be. Now, if we can learn from this story, we can prepare our hearts and receive Him and all that He wants to be and all that He wants to do in and through our lives. Now, first, I want for us to see three contrasts between who the people expected Jesus to be and what they thought He came to do and who He really was and what He really came to do. Three contrasts. And then we're going to finish the message by looking at three things that we can do or three action steps that we can take to prepare our hearts to receive Jesus as King on this Palm Sunday. You ready? Contrast number one. Watch it. A forceful conquering king versus a humble, peaceful king. Look at Matthew 21.5. It says, tell the daughter of Zion, that's Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey. This is interesting to note because conquering kings rode on stunning horses and many times with soldiers and sometimes prisoners of war being paraded through the city. Jesus, riding on a donkey, was demonstrating a sign of humility and peace as our coming king. 
As a matter of fact, this word lowly is the Greek word pros, P-R-A-U-S. And it means a humility that is considerate, unassuming, gentle, mild, and meek. As a matter of fact, Jesus referred to himself with these types of words. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. listen to Jesus speaking to you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. I don't know about you, but in the culture that we live, in the world in which we live, the news that we see, the social media that we see, the trouble that we're experiencing, I can use some peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. And notice how we receive it. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, you got to understand, he's talking to agricultural people. And a yoke is what was used to put two oxen together or two horses together and kept them walking side by side. So Jesus is saying, listen, partner with me. Walk with me. Connect with me. If you'll do that, you're going to discover that I'm gentle. I'm lowly in heart. And I will bring some rest for your soul. So that's the first contrast that we have to see. A forceful conquering king versus a humble, peaceful king. Contrast number two. A savior from Rome versus a savior from sin. In Matthew 21, 9, the Bible says, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This word Hosanna literally means save now. Save now, I pray. Now, this is important because some in the crowds believed Jesus to be the Messiah. The long-awaited Messiah. Some, others were undecided. Some thought he was just a prophet. But all of them unanimously expected him to save them from the Roman oppression. They didn't recognize what they really needed was to be saved from their sins. You know, this is applicable to us. So many of us and so many that we might know, so many people that we're acquaintances with, they might want God or Jesus to save them from all kind of other stuff going on in their lives, but they've yet to recognize Jesus as the Savior that they really need, which is the Savior from their sins and the Savior from the oppression of sin. Can somebody say amen? That's the second contrast. Here's the third contrast. A physical earthly kingdom versus a spiritual heavenly kingdom. When Jesus started his ministry, one of the very first things he preached he preached, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent means to be sorry for your sin. Repent means to think a different way and to go a different direction. Repent means I'm not going my sinful way anymore. I'm going to go the way of the master. I'm going to make an about face. I'm going to go a different direction. That's the message that Jesus preached. Why is that important? Because he brought the kingdom of heaven to the earth. Not the place heaven, the realm of heaven, the power of heaven, the grace of heaven, 
the love of heaven, the provision of heaven, Jesus brought it to the earth. His goal in ministry was not to establish an earthly government or an empire or a political group. His role as Messiah was to establish a spiritual kingdom rooted deep in the hearts of all those who believed and spread by evangelism. Can somebody say amen? That's the kingdom Jesus came to establish. But here's the sad commentary on this Palm Sunday story. The people at large didn't have a heart to receive Jesus as the king that he came to be. So here's the question that I want for us to consider. How can we prepare our hearts for the king? Personalize it. How can I prepare my heart for the king? I want to show us three things that you can do starting today that will open your heart wide for the king. I'm going to list them right now, and then we're going to back up and look at them. The first thing you can do, you ready? Align my heart, not just my words. The second thing, invite his reign in my daily decisions. The third thing, acknowledge Jesus as both Lord and Savior. Here's the first one, a little closer look. Align my heart, not just my words. Say it with me. Come on. Align my heart, not just my words. Matthew 21, 9. We're still in the Palm Sunday story. Then the multitudes who went before Jesus and those who followed behind Jesus cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They were saying all the right things. But because their words weren't really rooted from a heart of submission and true worship. Less than a week later, most of Jerusalem and many of the religious leaders, if not all of them, and some of these same people who were crying out these blessings over the Lord, said something totally different. Jesus is standing before Pilate, and Pilate's deciding what's going to happen with them in Luke 23. Therefore, Pilate spoke to them, all of them, again, the crowds of people, desiring to release Jesus. But the people cried out. The people cried out. The same people who cried out, Hosanna, now cried out, crucify him. Crucify him. And this is applicable for me because I have to be careful that I don't just make a verbal allegiance to the king while not aligning my heart in submission to the king. Matthew 15, 7 through 9, Jesus had things to say about people who did that. Listen to what Jesus said. Hypocrites! Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain emptiness they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Church, 
We have to ask the Lord to help us to align our hearts and our mouths under the King, Jesus. Amen? Now, I'm not saying you're hypocrites. I'm just showing us what the Scripture said when Jesus came across people who were saying all the right things, but their heart wasn't really in alignment with what they were saying. So the first action step is align my heart with my words. You know, I'm reminded of a scripture. It says, let the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. You see the connection? You see the alignment? Second thing we can do to prepare our hearts for the king. Here's number two. Invite his reign in my daily decisions. What does reign mean? What do kings do? They reign, right? They're in charge. And kings care for their people. Kings provide for their people. Kings bless their people. Kings protect their people. Kings sustain their people. Matthew 21, 8. Same palm story. Listen. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. What's that all about? Well, spreading their clothes out on the road along with palm branches was an act of showing honor to the king. It's like rolling out the red carpet. For an actor or for a president or somebody that you're showing honor to. That's what they were doing when they spread out their clothes. And when they were spreading out their palm branches, they were showing honor to the king. But let me just share this. Jesus isn't looking for more palm branches. What he wants is to reign and rule in my daily decisions. Can somebody say, I'm with you, Pastor Robert? He wants to reign and rule. Now listen, I hope, I hope you're not wearing flip-flops. And if I step on anybody's toes, it's gentle in the spirit, okay? He wants to reign and rule in our relationships. What do you mean, Pastor Robert? Well, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. What does that mean? Don't be hooked up with an unbeliever who's not wanting to follow Jesus. Because if you do that, they might get you away from following Jesus and now you're not following him anymore. That's in dating. That's in business partnerships. That's in getting married. Can somebody say amen? That's a big deal. So all I'm saying is that Jesus, he doesn't want palm branches. He doesn't want clothes. He wants to reign in our daily decisions. In our relationships. I'm so lucky that I got a good woman of God. I'm so blessed that God led me to Yolanda, who prays for me, who has a heart for the king, who's given her life to him. I would be living hell on earth if I didn't give up my relationship to the king. It's important. He wants to rule and he wants to reign in our time. In our calendar, in our finances, can I say it? In our gathering for church services, come on, somebody say amen. He wants to reign in our schedules. 
Pastor Robert, I don't know, man, that, you're, you're getting into my business. Let me just graciously tell you, Jesus is a good king. And when you allow him to reign, to call the shots in your daily decisions, come on, River, what does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Come on, you know it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Come on. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your... What does acknowledge Him mean? That means I'm going to let Him make the decision in the decision that I'm about to make. And when we do that, He blesses our path. Come on, somebody say amen. So the second thing, the second thing is we want to invite His reign. In our daily decisions. Here's the third thing that we can do to prepare our heart for the king. You ready? Acknowledge Jesus as both. I'm including that. As both Lord and Savior. Would you say this one with me? Come on. Acknowledge Jesus as Lord and Savior. Look at Zechariah 9.9. It's going to be on the screen. This was the prophetic scripture in the Old Testament prophesied and written and recorded 400 years before Jesus actually entered into Jerusalem in this story that we read. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Listen, behold your king. That's another word for Lord. Your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. That's another word. For Savior. He's our Savior that's coming with salvation. Notice, He's coming lowly, humble, riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now this is important because this word salvation in the Hebrew, yasa, Y-S-Y-A-S-A, and it literally means to be delivered. It means to be set free. It means to be saved. So Jesus, who's coming with salvation... He is definitely our Savior. Can somebody say amen? But I just want for us to recognize that nowhere in the Bible are we given teaching that communicates that we can be saved through Jesus Christ and reject Him as our Lord. The Bible doesn't communicate that, friend. The truth is, it's impossible to experience salvation at its fullest at its best, apart from making Jesus both Lord and Savior of our lives. This is a big deal because um, nobody in this church and nobody's here today is walking with Jesus as Savior like a get-out-of-jail-free card or like that fire engine that you only call on when you've got an emergency or like that attorney that you only call when you get off the hook. See, sometimes if we're not careful, church, Christians can only walk with Jesus as Savior. Thank God I'm going to heaven when I die. But if we're not careful, we don't experience so much of heaven while we live on earth. And the way that we get to do that is by recognizing that Jesus is both. Somebody say both. Lord and Savior. What does that mean that he's Lord? Well, when you look up the word Lord in the New Testament, 
It means to whom a person or a thing belongs. In other words, I am not my own. Jesus paid for me. He bought me. Now I belong to Him. And that means that He's my Lord. Can somebody say amen? He's my Lord and He's my Savior. Now, Jesus said on one circumstance, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Come on, does anybody know the rest? And do not do what I say. That's in Luke 6.46. So we have to be careful because we can acknowledge Jesus' Lordship logically and verbally, but if we don't learn to walk in the Spirit, we'll end up calling our own shots. We end up living our own life. We end up being our own Lord. Can I just tell you, if you're going to experience the best that your Savior has for you, to acknowledge Him as both Lord and Savior will go a long way for you, church. Jesus is a good Lord. Now, here's a closing question. Pastor Robert, why is all of this so important? I mean, it's just Palm Sunday. You know, you're making a big deal out of it. It's a religious thing that we do. Well, let me, let me tell you why it's so important. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen, but if you really want to know, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 19. The Palm Sunday story that we just read is in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's also in Luke chapter 19. And Luke chapter 19 shows us something that I didn't show us yet. When Jesus is riding down to Jerusalem, and everybody's shouting, and everybody's praising, and everybody's excited. When he gets close to Jerusalem, and he begins to look at it from the heart. The Bible says in Luke 19, 41 through 44, I'm just going to read it. Listen to what it says. Now as Jesus drew near, he saw the city, and he wept over it. Luke 19, 41. He saw the city, and he wept over it, saying, this is what he said when he was crying. If you had known, even you especially, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you, and close in on you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Listen to this. Oh, listen to this, friend. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Same story. Jesus looking over Israel, Jerusalem, and he's weeping because the people didn't receive him as the king that he came to be. And because they didn't, they didn't experience the peace that he wanted them to experience and the blessings that they wanted him to experience. They didn't experience any of that. As a matter of fact, history tells us that Jerusalem was destroyed. Why? Because they didn't recognize the day that God came to them in Jesus, their humble, lowly servant king. Friend, this is a big deal because if you want to receive all that Jesus has for you, if you want to receive all that Jesus wants to be in and through your life, you and I will have to make a decision to prepare our hearts for the King. Have you been blessed by the Word today? Come on, go ahead and stand to your feet. And let's pray as we close. 
Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you for the wonderful fellowship that we had today. We thank you for the special music that we were blessed with from our grace ladies. Father, we thank you for speaking to us through the word of God and helping us to recognize the significance of preparing our heart for the king. Thank you for reminding us by the Holy Spirit. If there's any area in our life where we're unprepared in our heart for the king, that you're gracious and you're loving and you're kind and you're patient. And you've promised to never leave us or forsake us. And that you'll walk with us every step of the way, lovingly correcting us and bringing us into further alignment with the king. Father, I declare that over every heart, over every person that's here today. Keeping your head bowed and your heart open, just so that I don't assume anything. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Robert, I want to give my heart to the King today. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Or I want to come back to Jesus as my Savior. I've been off track. If that's you, so that I can know and we can pray before we go, just raise your hand nice and high so that I can see that you want to be saved or you want to recommit your life to Christ. Raise your hand if that's you. One person, two people, anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, let's go ahead and pray this all together after me for the sake of those who raise their hands. If you're saved, just allow this to reverberate in your heart and remind you that you belong to the King. Let's say it after me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in my heart that he died for my sins and he rose from the grave. I receive Jesus today as my Lord and as my Savior. Holy Spirit, walk with me. Fill me and empower me to live for God. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.